is, what is Caesar's and to render unto God what is God's. So if you're not paying your taxes, you should pay your taxes. And that's really all I'm going to say about taxes, all right? So that's not the goal, to talk about taxes. The goal is to talk about death. And you might bring, you know, Greg, I'd much rather talk about life. Well, you know what? We do get to life when we talk about death. But I, I think it's inevitable that all of us will face death at some point in our life. Likely, you know, with a loved one. So let me just start off by asking, have any of you ever had a loved one that's, that's passed away? Have you dealt with death? Yeah, a lot of hands go up. Uh, I, I seem to have dealt with death very young in life because I'm the youngest in my family of all the kids and my parents were older and my grandparents were older. So I don't have any grandparents. I don't have any parents living at this point of, in time. And it's been that way for many years. Um, but my, my goal this morning is not just to talk about death. It's to talk about death from a biblical perspective and to understand what does God's word have to say. So if I were to ask you this question, what is death? How would you describe it? How would you define it? Many of us might share this definition that it's the end of a life. Right? We, we cease to live. And, and that's what we consider to be death. But I would propose to you that there's really something more than death than that, right? It, it's what does death look like according to the Bible? And I want to look to start off in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9. It says, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. And I remember my first experience with death. I was very young, um, single digits. I don't, I don't remember exactly how old, but it was my grandmother that had passed away, and, and I was sick at the time, and I couldn't go to the funeral like everyone else. So I was asking my, my dad when they got home, what's it like to go to a funeral? I'd never been to one. Dad, dad what is death all about? Like, what really happens when you die? Can you, can you explain that to me? And I remember his explanation, and, and I still use it today as I've taught my own kids, that he said, Greg, when, when you're alive, you're, it's like you're living in a room, and the room that you're living in has light. And when it's your time to go home to be with the Lord, it's like the room that you're in starts to get darker, and all of a sudden you notice this room that's always been there, but you've never noticed it before, but now it starts to get lighter, and you just pass from one room in the house to another room in the house. And you find yourself in eternity. Like it's, it's not that you stop living. It's that you go on to eternal life. And that's really what we see here in 2 Corinthians 5. That there is not an end. It's just you're moving from one phase to another. You're going from life here on this earth to, to life elsewhere. Right? So it says when we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. When we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. Right? It's, it's that kind of a continuum that, that we go. So many of you, like, like me, you probably have had co-workers where you try to explain your faith and explain what, what uh, life in Jesus looks like. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I don't really believe in eternal life because I believe that when we die, it's over. You're in the ground and, and there's nothing more. Or I've had co-workers that have shared different religions with me that they're like, I, I believe in reincarnation. So we get to continually try to improve every time we come back until we're, we're finally, we get our right and then we go to heaven. But what does the Bible have to say about that, right? And I, I love this scripture in Hebrews 9, 27. It says, just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly are waiting for him. 
So it's destined for all of us to die once. And after that comes a judgment. Jesus came and lived a perfect life on this earth. And he died once and for all to deal with the, your sin and my sin. He took it upon the cross. And that's the way that God has provided for us to have eternal life is that we would, we would see what Jesus had done. We would, we would receive that and we would make him our Lord in the sense of, God, you know what? Now I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to commit my life to you. So that's God's plan that, that Jesus came to deal with sin once, but Jesus is going to come back again. We often forget this fact that Hey, the Lord is going to return someday. There is going to be an end to the world that we live in. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back. But he's not coming back to deal with sin when he comes back. He's already dealt with it. He's dealt with it on a cross. And you and I have a decision to make. Are we going to receive what he's done on the cross? Or are we going to continue to live for ourselves? But when he comes back, he comes to take those that believe in him and have given their lives to him for salvation. So the question is, what will we do with that? Will we receive Jesus or will we, will we reject Jesus? So what is death? Death is our spirit passing from this world to eternal life. It says that there's going to be a judgment day. I'm not qualified to stand on judgment day on my own, you know, good works. None of us are. It's, it's not a matter of what religion you are brought in. That doesn't really count when you're there before the Heavenly Father. And he says, why should I let you into heaven? It's only by the blood of Jesus. And we can say, you know what? God, I'm a sinner, but Jesus saved me by his grace and by his blood. And I've accepted that. And God doesn't see our sin. He sees the, the blood of Jesus. But there will be a judgment day. And Jesus is the sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. So now this question, okay, if I, if I understand that and I believe that there is a resurrection and there's a life, then how do I as a believer deal with death? What does the Bible instruct me to do when someone dies? And I see this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So 1 Thessalonians tells us something that as believers, we don't have to grieve as those that have no hope. We have a hope in Jesus. We understand what it means. God has asked us all to be his light, to be his witness. But what do you do when someone passes away and you're not sure if they knew Jesus or not? What do you do with that? Right? I'm sure you've probably faced that question. I know I've faced that question. And, you know, it says in the Bible in another place that if you want to be in authority, you have to know how to be under authority. And this is one of those times where it's above my pay grade and it's above your pay grade to figure out what do we do with that, right? It's just I give that to God, frankly, right? We're, we're not the ones that make decisions about who get into heaven and who doesn't get into heaven. God's the one that makes that decision. Now, he's given us his word, and his word is clear in Romans 10, where it says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you confess him with your mouth, then you will be saved. But God, what, what about my friend Joe? What about my sister Mary? Did they know you, God? Are they going to be in heaven with you? If you don't know for sure, you've got to leave that in God's hands. It's not for us to... to to try to figure out. Because you know what? That's the trap that the enemy has us in sometimes. Trying to take on something that God never intended for us to figure out. It's his job to figure that out. So leave it with, with his hands. But I'll tell you what it does for me when I'm, when I'm at a funeral and I don't know. 
it compels me even more. I want to talk to every neighbor. I want to talk to every friend. I want to share the love of Jesus that he's put in my heart so that all would know. And, and God's word is clear that he won't allow any of us to die without giving us a chance to receive him and accept him. So maybe it was on, on their, their deathbed moment right before their life passed that, that God revealed himself and they chose to receive him. We may never know until we're in heaven. But this, this idea of dealing with death and not grieving like people who have no hope. We all believe in the word of God. We know the word of God is true. But you know, sometimes our experience in the word of God, they don't quite line up because we're all works in progress, right? And, and I'm going to ask Corey Ling to come up. He's going to share how he's worked through, through death and, and what that's looked like in his life. And I think we can all learn from that and receive from that. So Corey, here, why don't you share with us? Good morning. Just wanted to share something with you guys that uh, I've personally been walking through these last few months and uh, really feel like uh, it was on my heart. The Lord wanted me to share it with you today. Uh, to start off, I'm going to show you guys a few pictures. Um, this first picture here is of my little brother Seth and I, probably around 2004. I would have been around 12 and Seth was four. Uh, I grew up in a blended family, for those of you who don't know. I uh, grew up in a house of eight, five boys and three girls. Um, I always looked out for Seth. Uh, we had a pretty special bond. This next picture is uh, Seth and I at my wedding last August. Uh, it was a great day full of celebration. My brother was living with my mother. The time down in Florida, my mom and my brother and my stepdad all drove up. So it was really great to have them there. However, I did not realize that this would be the last day that I would be seeing my brother. Uh, I got a call from my mom uh, November 14th, early morning, and she had told me that my brother had shot and killed himself in the courtyard of his high school. This absolute worst thing I've ever gone through in my life and never a phone call that you want to get. This last picture here is of at Seth's funeral. It's still s such a shock to us all. We're still trying to walk through it, but um, yeah. I didn't realize at the time that uh, this, uh, I went to my grandfather's uh, church up in Ossipee. My grandfather's Don Littlefield, for those of you who don't know, he was the first pastor of Shiloh. And he had shared a message on 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And it reads, uh, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And at the moment that this happened, I have to be honest, I was not being thankful in that moment. Um, I was confused and I was very upset. I wasn't upset at the Lord and I was not upset at my brother. Um, I just couldn't figure out why this was happening. Uh, I kept questioning if there was anything I could have done to prevent my brother from doing this. Could I have talked to him more? Could I have said something that would have made a change his mind? I, and then I was questioning the Lord. I was asking him if he could have jammed the gun, if he could have changed Seth's mind last minute. I was just stuck in this constant th thought cycle and I just, I couldn't get out of it. Same thoughts were going on over and over again. And there is something I want to share with you guys before I go any further. Um, Seth did get saved seven months prior to his passing. Uh, the church in Florida where we had his, uh, his funeral was actually the church that he got saved in. Uh, when we had found the church that we were, uh, we were going to have a service and we were all in the sanctuary, my family and I, and my mom pointed over to the baptismal and she had told me that was where Seth got baptized. So it was really, it was really cool in that moment to just know that he had made that decision and uh, it was just awesome to, to be able to see that firsthand. And it was really comfort to know where he was and who he was with because honestly that was the only source of comfort that I had in that moment. 
Pastor Greg had called me uh, a couple months after this had happened, and uh, he had asked me how I was, how I was doing with everything, and uh, I was honest with him, and I told him I really wasn't doing that well. He asked me, and I, I told him that I was really trying to figure out um, why this had happened, and he asked me how hard, and I was like, I'm trying to figure it out pretty hard. And he had shared with me that in these circumstances, he's learned that uh, we don't have to know why this things happen. We just have to trust that the Lord knows what he's doing. And this, this really hit me. I um, felt an instant conviction, and uh, just, I knew that I needed to really start changing how I was processing and, and grieving in this time. And the Lord started really shifting the way that I was, uh, that I was thinking about things. Uh, he started shifting the way I thought about life and death. Death has always been this very scary thing to me, and it still is in part. However, the Lord started showing me that, that life is just but a brief moment in the light of eternity. Uh, there was a time during this whole grief process that I was not spending as much time with the Lord as I should have been. And there was a notable difference when I was and when I was not. Uh, during the whole process of the funeral arrangements, um, I dealt, afterwards I dealt with a lot of post-traumatic stress. At the, I was the only sibling that was down there um, while we were making the arrangements. And um, my mom and my dad had decided that Seth was going to be cremated. So as a family, we all went to the funeral home. We were all sitting around a table deciding which urn to put him in. And my mother had asked me, you know, what, what I had thought, you know, as far as which urn to pick. And I just broke down crying. I was still in denial, didn't want it to be happening. I wasn't a huge help, but I just, I didn't know what else to do in that moment. A couple days later, uh, we had gone to the funeral home to see his body before we had the service, and I'm glad that I went. It was, it was a really, really good moment, and I'm glad I was there for my mom, but the image will just, just always be there for that. Um, and the enemy really started using this uh, as I was not spending time with the Lord. These, these images and these memories just coming up, coming up over and over again. And I was just kind of, I would get depressed and just stuck in this rut. And the enemy was really trying to get me to focus on my trauma, which was distracting me from focusing on the Lord and what he was really trying to get me to walk through. I've never really gotten mad at my brother because of what happened. Um, I, I was, and I still am very hurt. Um, I honestly wish that he would have thought about how this would affect everybody that loved him. I know in that moment he was just focusing on the pain, and I don't want to undermine that at all. But he had sent out a, f a few messages to um, different family members and friends prior to him taking his life, and um, the last thing that he had said was he wished people would forgive him for what he was going to do, and uh, that they would just move on and be happy eventually. I don't really think he realized the kind of heartache this was really going to cause for everybody that loved him. After this had happened, I, I really had to work through some things with my wife as well. Uh, it was really hard for me to talk to her about what I was going through because she had never gone through it, and she wasn't directly related to my brother. So I, in turn, talked to my family members more than I was talking to my wife about it, which really didn't last long. Uh, I knew something needed to change in that area. Because the reality is that uh, Heidi's my wife, and I wasn't sharing with her how I was feeling. I began to let her in, and I needed to remember that we are a team, and that she was there to help me through what I was going through. And I know she may not know exactly what I was going through, but she was there and wanted to be there to help me through it. I'd like to read from uh, Philippians 4.8. Uh, it reads, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This verse has really been a rock for me in the midst of, uh, amidst of my grief. I, um, I really had to start being more careful about what I was allowing in my mind and in my heart. 
I had a choice to focus on the Lord and give him praise in the midst of what I was going through and to think about who he was and what he's done for me. Or I could focus on my grief and continue to just get stuck. And as I continued to focus on the Lord, he was changing my heart in the process of my grief, and he was still molding me into his image. As much as I've been grieving these past nine months or so, it's been a real season of growth. I've been allowing the Lord to get deep into my heart because ultimately I've given him control over it, and there's nothing better that I can do in the process of my grief than let the Lord take the reins. Because the reality is we're all going to go through hard times. The Lord doesn't promise us a pain-free life, but he does promise us to walk through the pain with us. Reading his words, spending time with him, being thankful for who he is, is how we're going to get through the pain. And when something arises that we are struggling with, go to the Lord first. Tell him what's on your mind and be honest with him. And let him hear your heart. Because he's really ultimately the one who's going to get you through it. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Corey for sharing that. He, he came to me a number of months ago and uh, shared with me what God was doing and felt like he wanted to get up and, and share you know, as part of a message. So, so we've actually been working on this thing for now a couple of months. And uh, I know God has, has done a work in his life and he's still doing a work in his life. Um, but the question comes to me, so what would your plan be or what's my plan if someone would die that we're close, that we're close to? What's that first thing? After you hear the news and you're shocked, what are you going to do? Right? Do you have a plan? And, you know, I've, I never really had to worry about that because it was always more done for me growing up. Um, but I, I did have an experience and I wanted to share what my mom did. So recently I got a new Bible. I don't know if any of you have bought Bibles lately. Um, but my mom had a Bible. It wasn't black. It was red. But more importantly, in the first couple of pages, maybe you've got a Bible that says, okay, who it's presented to, and the marriage, and the births, the baptisms. And then it's got the deaths page. I'm like, that's pretty morbid that you, <laughs> you write down your, everyone in your family that's died. So my mom, for some reason, was impressed at a point in time in her life to, as she was reading through the Word, and she found a scripture that would minister in a time of death, she wrote it on that page that said deaths. And she had like the whole page, she had scriptures written all over it. Um, and she wasn't sure why, she really didn't tell anybody that she was doing this, but you know, some number of months later, very suddenly my dad passed away of a heart attack. He was 53. No one, no one ever expected that. So after we had gone through the shock and, and the family had gathered together, different brothers and sisters were out of town, we had to wait for them to come. She gathered us all together as a family in the living room. And man, this lady was prepared. Like she opened up her Bible and said, all right, Gregory, you've got this scripture. You always knew when she says, Gregory, it's pretty serious, right? And, and Gina, you're going to do this. And Adele, you've got this scripture. Rob, I want you to take this. Rick, you take this. Barbara, you take this. Scott, Irene. Like she's just handing out scriptures to each one of us. And we just had the most blessed time of reading through God's word. And, and just letting it soak and praying through it and, and thanking God for the life that he gave us with my dad. You know, and at that time, I didn't understand why. I was still in shock. I, I had to work through the whys. So when I told Corey, hey, sometimes the harder you try to figure out why, it's really like a dead-end street, but more than a dead-end street, it's like a dead-end that ends in a cul-de-sac. Because at the very end of it, it doesn't lead you anywhere. You just keep going around and around and around, and you will make no progress trying to understand why. 
So thinking about what my mom did that day, uh, I took all the scriptures in her Bible and I wrote them in my Bible so that I would be prepared someday if, if that would happen to me. I'd have those scriptures ready. And I made a little card for all of you, right? So you can get this card on your way out and it's got all the scriptures that she gave me that day and, and I've been adding to it as I've gone through the Bible so you get a few extra, my favorites. Uh, and maybe you'll continue the list so you can take the card and put it in your Bible or you can just write it in the back of your Bible so you always have, always have it with you. Because you know what the reality is? We never know when we're going to be faced with death. And little did I realize that um, I would be faced with it suddenly again. I was on a cruise with my wife uh, through Family Life. It's a marriage ministry that we were participating in some number of years ago. And we're on this wonderful cruise and, and, you know, never expected it. My mom was going in for what I thought was a routine surgery and she died in surgery. And now I'm getting the news when I'm on, you know, the cruise ship that my mom has passed away. What do I do? You know what? I had my Bible. <laughs> I had the scriptures. So we got together with another Christian couple and, and the four of us could just kind of take one scripture after another, talk about it, talk through it. I would share stories of my mom. Having a plan. I want you all to be prepared with having a plan. I want you all to know this is what God's word has to say about dealing with death. This is what God's word has to say when you get in a trouble situation. See, Corey, if he focused on the situation, it didn't help him. It was only when he started to focus on God's word that he, he found life and he could, he could get brought out of the grief. But how do you wrestle with the question of why? Right, so often... God, why did you, why did my dad have to die so young? God, it doesn't make any sense to me. He had so much to live for. God, why did my mom have to die on the operating table? That, it wasn't supposed to happen that way, God. What do you do with the whys of, why did I lose my job? Why did I get in a car accident? Why did, there's so many things we can wrestle with. Well, here's, here's what God shared with me when I was young, and I've never forgotten it. This helps me with the why. It's from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, we will get stuck in this question of why until we can actually surrender the question of why. And that's, that's why it's so cool to see what God has been doing in this whole service about talking about, it's about our surrender. If you want to make progress in your faith, learn how to surrender. Don't try harder. Learn how to surrender more. For whatever we're going through. But when I'm questioned with why God, why, I don't understand. It's above my pay grade. God, you know. Your ways are higher. Your thoughts are beyond what I could even imagine. So God, it's, it's not a question of why. It's a question of, do I trust you? That's the real question to answer. When I'm dealing with the why, it's because I don't trust God fully that he's got a plan that he understands. See, God sees the, from the beginning of time to the end of time, and you and I see a slice. How can we understand when we're looking through a slice what he sees from beginning to end of time? We can't. The question really is, do you trust him? Will you surrender? See, his word is either true in all of it or his word is true in none of it. And I found, you know what, this is how I deal with why. I, I come back to, God, I believe in you. 
I don't have to understand. I let go of this question of why because it's the why that keeps me trapped. It's the why that's the lie that the enemy holds me down with. So then this is what we find in, in Isaiah 55, 10 through 12. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Yeah, that's what I want. I want joy and peace for all of us. But you know, the only way you're going to have joy and peace is to understand that God's word is what lasts forever. It's not my thoughts or your thoughts. It's only his word. And it's to the degree that I get into his word and I understand it. It says his word as he sends it out will always accomplish what he sets it out to do. But you know what the sad thing is? Corey wasn't reading his word. He found a marked difference when he would read the word versus he wouldn't read the word. Until all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I, I got to start thinking about what's true, what's right, what's noble. And, and he started to dig into that scripture and it brought him out of his grief. That's what God's word will do for you and I. When we start focusing on, on the Lord instead of our problems, when we start surrendering instead of asking why, that's how we're going to make progress in whatever life is dealing with us. So, you know, what, what was the lie that Seth was believing when he took his own life? It was really the same lie that Job was believing. And we can, we can read in Job 6.11 when he said, I don't have the strength to endure. God, take me. That was Job's prayer. Job's prayer. But we can also read the rest of the book of Job and understand that, okay, God had to bring Job through some pressing like the grapes that we talked about, right? That sometimes when we're pressed, how do you get wine? You don't get wine just by popping a grape in your mouth. You get wine because the grape has to be crushed. And God knows in your life and in my life that there's going to be times where we're crushed. He's there for you. He's there for me. God is the God of all comfort. I, I can only come to you with the word when you're going through a time that's difficult and say, this is what God's word has to say. But if you can surrender to God, if you can put your hope in him, he will give you joy. He will give you peace. Corey's a living testimony to that. He's, he's coming to the other side. Maybe not where he wants to be, but he's coming. Grief is a process. You don't deal with grief overnight. I've had to learn to deal with grief, and it's a process. There's times when Corey and I were meeting I'd share my story. I'd get all emotional all over again. Guys, it's been 40 years since my dad passed away. 40 years, 10 or 11 since my mom passed away. Why is it still so emotional to me? Because you know what? God made me emotional. That's why. That's part of how he, he wired me. That's okay. But you know what? While the emotions are there, the grief and the sting is not because God removed the sting, right? God gave me the comfort because I have a hope and I want you to have the same hope in who Jesus is, that we will have joy and we will have peace. So as we close today, I want to ask you this question. What situation are you going through where you don't have joy and peace and you're stuck asking why? Because you know, we all face these things. We all go through the whys. And like I said before, a why is like a dead-end street that's going to take you to a cul-de-sac and you'll just be stuck asking the question why you're never going to find life in that. It's only going to take you deeper and darker and that's not what God has for you or for I. But what, it, what takes you out of that 
is when you can actually surrender to God and say, God, I believe in your word. Your word is true. You're not a liar. And God, I trust you fully. I give you my life, God. I put everything in your hands. So as I mentioned earlier, what's the posture of surrender when someone goes stick them up? You got, you got to put your hands up. And you got to show both hands. You can't be holding on to your burden when you're showing your hands. So, so what is it that God would say to you and to I? You know what? I need you to let it go this morning. I need you just to release whatever you're carrying. Give it to me. Because my word is true. My word is living. It's active. And, and let God accomplish the work. Just as rain comes down from heaven and the seed grows... And it also says the snow, uh, that's coming, <laughs> but we'll take the rain for now. Shh, there you go. Just as those are certain, and that's how seed grows, God's word is certain. It won't return to him void. It'll accomplish what he set it out to do. So let's stand up and pray today. And as we stand and you close your eyes, I want you to think about, so what is it that you're carrying that God never intended for you to carry because you're, you're holding on to this burden. You're trying to deal with the stress of life and you know what, frankly, you're losing. You're trying harder and it's like the treadmill just goes faster and faster and you're losing ground. And you're like, God, I can't do it anymore. Okay, that's probably a, a good statement that you can't do it anymore because God never intended for us to, to deal with these things on our own. He intended for us to surrender them to him. So God, with a choice of our wills today, Father, we declare that you are Lord and we surrender our lives to you, God. We, we trust in you fully. And God, these things that we're holding, Lord Jesus, we can only offer them up to you. We give them to you, God. Lord Jesus, you are the source of all comfort, God. I pray that you come, Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and bring comfort to each heart that needs your comfort this morning. God, that, that we would be able to surrender what it is we're holding on to. We give it to you. And Lord, as, you, as Corey read that scripture, in everything give thanks for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you, God. We give you thanks and praise, not because we're, it's joyful in the midst of it, God, but because we know you've got a plan and a purpose, God. This, this may feel like crushing grapes to us, but God, you've got new wine in store. So we look forward for the destiny that you have, God. We look forward for the plan that you have for our lives. God, we want to do it your way, not our way. So we surrender to you this morning, God. And I ask, Father God, for the peace of Christ that passes understanding, God. I ask for the grace of, to help in time of need. Lord, I ask for the joy that you have, Father. All of the fruit of your spirit, I pray for each one this morning, God, that we would know Jesus and we'd know him in the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of his love. We pray all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Please join us downstairs for, for food afterwards and, and have a great day. God bless you. Shame.